attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, it's time for Context and Clarity Live, where we spend an hour every Thursday afternoon searching for clarity around the things that matter most to you the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or if you own your own firm. Maybe you dream of starting your own thing. Maybe you've even said that 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had last week with our Context and Clarity guest. Every week, we have a new guest and a new topic, so let's jump right into the conversation. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech comfort heaters. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity live conversation for Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Thanks for joining us. As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff. I come here every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, to find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. It doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or you own your own firm. Maybe you've circled a date on the calendar and said 2021 or maybe even 2022 at this point is my year and you're starting to get on the runway to starting your own thing. Or Maybe you have owned your own firm for a year or 10 years or 27 years, and you're starting to rethink or maybe even reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover, 
one topic every day. They all fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of small firm architects just like you. So thanks for joining us today. Say hi when you get here. Uh, let's see where everybody is today. Catherine, welcome back. Glad to have you Hello. with us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm pretty excited because 2022 is going to be my year, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty okay. sure. And especially after just reading this book. And I'm not just saying that because he happens to be sitting backstage, but I feel like um, I'm feeling kind of motivated to make it my year and figure out, you know, what it should be. So I, I love that. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I, I think um, I, I really do think and I, I say this about a handful of books, but I really do think this is this one of these books that we're going to talk about or a handful of these books that we're going to talk about uh, really are need to read books for architects when it comes to the business of architecture. So um, we're not going to give away too much yet, but we do have a guest in the green room. He's back there eating the green M&Ms, getting ready for our conversation. But let's see who's here. I see John Jones uh, joining us from Connecticut. It looks to me like he's the first on my screen, which means he wins the crocheted bathtub. Ed Shannon, welcome back from Des Moines, Iowa. And Christian from Ithaca, New York. Let's see, Barry's joining us from Scotland and LinkedIn today. Glad to have you with us tonight, Barry. Tonight, your time. And Brian McCartney, hello from beautiful, chilly Vermilion, Ohio. I identify with that. <laughs> welcome to the Midwest, folks. Uh, winter is apparently here. Uh, Scott Thrift, welcome back from sunny San Francisco. Glad you're here with us as well. And anybody else that's out there, the number up in the upper left-hand corner is growing. So as you get here, say hi. Even if you're just planning to listen in or multitask during this conversation, that's okay. Uh, we still want to know that you're here and want to know that you're part of this conversation. So let us know uh, when you get here. It looks like everybody on the Facebook side is showing up as themselves right now. If you happen to come in and you notice on the screen that you show up as Facebook user without your picture, uh, that's because you're in a private Facebook group and you have to give Facebook permission um, to, or, or restream, I guess, the platform that we're on right now, permission uh, to uh, share your Facebook information. So uh, if you would like to do that, if you happen to show up as Facebook user for your name and a, and a blank picture, basically, go to the URL that's at the bottom left of your screen right now, chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook, and uh quick couple of clicks and you can give Facebook permission to uh, publish your name and and likeness there. And you show up just like John is and Ed is and Christian is. Um, We usually don't have those issues from from the others like LinkedIn and Twitch and Twitter and and YouTube. Um, But from wherever you are, thanks for joining us. Say hi. Isra's joining us from YouTube and Boston, by the way. And uh, Kurt's joining us from Flint, Michigan. Over on the Twitch side, Scott's also on Twitch, so we've got everybody but Twitter in the house right now. Great to, uh, great to, to uh, yeah. John says spanning the world. Absolutely, we've already spanned all the way across the U.S. and jumped across the the Atlantic to Scotland. So let's see if we can find our UK or not our UK, but our Australian, uh, New Zealand, or uh, African friends. See if they join us. Or a Russian today. friend, she could come too. Or, yes, our Russian friend is Olga out there. Olga, are you joining us from Moscow today? It's always fun to see where everybody is. All right. Well, we've got a lot of talking to do here. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest today. This is, uh, there are a handful of guests that I really, really, you know, they're kind of bucket list guests. And today's is one of them. 
Um, our guest today is an author or co-author of two dozen of the most read and most recognized business books on the planet. Many of those residing on bestseller lists for weeks, months, if not years. Wrap your head around that for a second. Uh, he's a consultant and a thought leader. Inc. Magazine has called him the world's number one small business guru. You've heard of and hopefully read some of his most popular titles like The E-Myth Revisited and The E-Myth Architect. And most recently, he's published Making It on Your Own in America or Wherever You Happen to Live, A Journey Toward Radical Self-Employment. Michael E. Gerber, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm glad to have you here. And I, you know, I, I didn't mention this before we went live, but I'm looking at the wall behind you. And even though you're in mm. California, that just says Indiana to me. The, the <laughs> red house or the red barn in the background, that looks like Indiana. So I, I feel like we're at home. I wanted to make you feel at home. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we I appreciate that. for you. <laughs> I, I thought you did. <laughs> well, I think, again, you got a lot of books out there, a lot of time uh, on bestseller lists. The E-Myth, the original, the E-Myth was published in 1986. Um, and you've obviously lots of follow-ups to that book. I ask, in your experience and in your mind and your observation, what has changed in the world of small businesses in the last 35 years since you published the E-Myth? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, the, the, the condition um, prevails uh, that um, small businesses are started today for exactly the same reason they were started a um, hundred years ago um, and um, with exactly the same result. Um, the SBA says that 70% of all new businesses fail in their first year. And then, um, 95% fail within, by the time they would have reached their 10th anniversary. So effectively, the story of small businesses fail, 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 fail. Mm -hmm. And if not outright failure, uh, simply uh, an abysmal, um, and distinctive condition. Um, that prevails in every single one of them, uh, where it's simply struggling to stay alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the owner becomes the chief Coke and bottle washer. And of course, that is most strictly true in independent architects. Um, the architect starts the firm to practice architecture, um, not to create a company, to do architecture. Yeah, that, that really resonates with me and I, and I think our audience too. You know, it's as I think, uh, I, I know that in our audience right now, and, and, and I extend that to, uh, many of you know that we, we have these conversations every weekday afternoon. So our, our audience spreads around the world. And I know in that audience that we have, uh, six, eight or more that have started their own firms since the pandemic shut everything down in, in March of 2020. And, and that really does resonate, I think, with a lot of people. It's, hey, you know, I'm for whatever reason, I don't like my boss. I don't like the work. I don't like the clients, whatever the situation is. I can do this, right? And they, like you said, they go out and they, they practice architecture, um, maybe instead of um, building a business. With, with the 
with the current condition or, or maybe everything that's gone on in the last 20 months, let's say, you know, going back to when things, at least on the, the American timeline, when things shut down about mid-March of 2020, um, we hear a lot about the, the gig economy. We hear a lot about the great, um, great resignation. Have you seen anything? I don't, I don't know how much attention you've been paying to those specific, you know, super current type things. But have you seen any result of those things on maybe the rate at which businesses are starting or, um, you know, the, the, the necessity of the application of what we're talking about today? Well, let me say, it sounds in a way um, um, unintelligent uh, when I say that nothing's changed um, since 1977 when I started this. I understand I started my first, in quotes, E-Myth company in 1977 as the Michael Thomas Corporation. Mm. And it was what we call a business development firm. And it was the very first small business coaching company on the planet. Mm. So we created small business coaching. Mm. When we started it in 1977, um, the condition was identical to the condition today. So if I were to look at the condition of small businesses right now, today, at this very moment, um, I would see it to be absolutely undifferent from how I saw it way back then in 1977. The same conditions, the same circumstances, the same reactions, the same responses, Despite all of the coaching that's going on in the world, despite all of the, what you might say, um, intelligent services that are being provided today in the world, nobody's gotten any smarter. The <laughs> failure rate is constant. The condition remains static. And in reality, nothing's changed other than with the companies who perhaps we have spent our time with where something remarkably different has occurred. You, you talk about... Uh, and I, I would say, I would wish I could say something different. In short, that um, the impact we've had has been um, universal. Um, unfortunately, it has not been universal. You, um, you reference Ray Kroc and McDonald's. You know, that, that's sort of a common thread through at least the books that I've read. Um, and and I think that's a great example. You know how how do you how do you um, build the most successful small business on the planet? Um, one of the things I think is a disconnect, maybe in this audience, right? Small firm architects. Is there a lot of a lot of people going, okay, McDonald's, but I'm doing architecture. Um, what's the difference between starting something like McDonald's and starting an architecture firm? There's no difference. Okay. There's absolutely no difference, other than in the point of view of the person who's doing it. Sure you have to understand that um, when I were to, if I were to speak to an architect, I would have to engage the architect um, in a conversation to awaken an entrepreneur within them. Because architects are not in the main, archi uh, architects in the main are professional technicians doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 busy. My mm -hmm. job is to engage them in a conversation 
to suggest there's a better job available. And that better job is the job of a, and that is the job of a creator of a transformational architectural practice that could be replicated successfully worldwide um, to achieve identically the same measure of result that Ray Kroc achieved in the founding of McDonald's. But in order to do that, the architect would have to become an entrepreneur. So when when the architect becomes an entrepreneur, right, they, they um, let's say they transcend the uh, state of being you know, the professional technician, um, what's, what's the sign that they have, they have, uh, transcended up to the, the entrepreneur mindset? Oh, their, their whole conversation changes. To understand their whole conversation, their whole demeanor changes, uh, their whole um, relationship with their work changes. Um, they're suddenly what I think about as an entrepreneur for different personalities um, that related to growth in a way that architects are. And so they would be, in my context, a dreamer, a thinker, a storyteller, a leader. An entrepreneur is four distinct personalities. A dreamer has a dream, a thinker has a vision, um, a, um, a, um, <laughs> a storyteller has a purpose and a leader has a mission. So the dream dreamer says, I have a dream. That's the beginning of the process, the entrepreneurial process. Um, the thinker has a vision. That is the vision visually, emotionally, functionally, financially of the entity, the company that's going to um, realize that dream. Um, the, um, the, the storyteller um, has a, um, a audience for whom that dream is to become a reality. And the um, leader has a mission, which is the creation of the business development system through which all of this would be realized. You know, I didn't, I didn't think about this until you were explaining that, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm not the only one that finds it ironic. You know, when you're talking about the vision and the story and, and, and these, these four personalities that for everything that architects do, the vision that they bring, the dreams that they bring to their actual work, um, what do you think the disconnect is? You know, you've, you've got a, a, a group of professionals that are professional dreamers and thinkers and, and storytellers and so on when it applies to their the projects of client work, if I could say it that way, but yet they may not be, uh, and most, as, as you're uh, talking about, most are not applying that to the business of architecture. What do you think the disconnect is there? Where, where, where are we going wrong here? The, the disconnect is simply the, um, the schooling um, an architect has had, um, the um, interest the architect um, has developed over the time that they've gone to school, gone to learn the profession, gone to immerse themselves in the work. And in the process, that dreaming is different than the dreaming I'm describing. Um, it's dreaming about um, how to um, create the ideal building, how to 
create the ideal structure, how to create the ideal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm talking about the business of that. And so understand the departure from architecture means the business of architecture and how to design the business of architecture in such a way that it is transformed from doing it, doing it, doing it into something that can be scaled exponentially. So one would not replicate the traditional architectural firm from an entrepreneurial perspective. One would go far beyond it. You, you know, when as you're saying that, it reminds me that I can't believe I didn't have this in the introduction, but for all of you out there that have heard me say or anybody say, um, you use the phrase working on your business instead of in your business. Uh, this is the guy, right? This is the guy that, that basically coined that phrase. And when you were just talking about that, it's, um, you know, designing, designing, working on designing the business rather than designing the home or the museum or whatever the project at hand is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so how, okay, so we've got, we've got architects that need to be designing their business. Um, thinking so, about working uh, on their business. Think about this, that, for example, one, as an entrepreneur, one would think about popularizing architecture and making it available to the least among us. So popularizing architecture and making it available to the least among us. And in order to do that, one would be, um, would think systemically about how to popularize architecture and to make it available to the least among us so that it would become an intelligent system as opposed to a professional architect. A professional system would be absolutely constructible were one to think, how could I do that without me having to be there? How could we, in short, automate this process um, in an intelligent manner that would reduce architecture to banality, but in fact, expand its capability, but at significantly less cost than a professional would um, insist upon. And suddenly you realize that it releases it from the architect and um, produces an architectural um, methodology. Methodology for practice an artificial intelligent methodology that could do what in fact the least and most um, effective architect um, could never do, but to do it for everyone. So when you say do it for everyone, are you talking about everyone, the client? Yes. Okay. Everyone, the client. Now I know there are plenty of people in the, uh, in our audience right now that, you know, they're, they're going, okay. <laughs> this make this maybe business systems make sense, you know, et cetera. But what about what about the creativity, right? What about the fact that I'm going to design a custom home or a museum, or or what about the fact that the design of a museum, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, is different than the Museum of uh, Western Art in Carlsbad, California? Um, how do we how do we marry these two things where we've got to have these systems, we've got to build these processes, but somehow at the core, 
is one of the most ultimately creative professions um, on the planet. So how do you marry those two things up? Well, that's the great question, isn't it? Yeah. That's the great question, isn't it? And so suddenly, if we're pursuing that question with the desire to um, automate that process, with the desire to simplify the complexity of that process, in order to actually fulfill that outcome, um, creatively, um, then that becomes the entrepreneurial dictum. That's why I'm here. That's what Steve Jobs did. That's what great architects, great architects of entrepreneurship do. They find out how to make that occur by struggling through it. But with an outcome, unlike the architect, the traditional architect, instead of, in fact, working on that one location in Chicago um, to design that museum, um, to design the design of that, to be able to broaden our reach. Does that mean, does that mean that we're designing, we're producing the same thing over and over? Or, or are we, or are we systematizing everything up to the design, up to and after the design process? No, we're designing everything. Hear me. When I use the word artificial intelligence, um, understand it's exactly that. It's intelligent. And it will become exactly what we intended to become. So if effectively we're generalizing, specializing the specialist's knowledge, um, then that's what we will end up doing. Um, how we're going to do that becomes the driving force of that. But until we decide to do that, we will never do that. In short, until the architect changes his or her mindset, what I'm describing will never be done. But the minute the architect does change his or her mindset, that will then become the new architecture. And hear me, I'm not interested in the old architecture. I'm interested from an entrepreneurial perspective in the new architecture. The new architecture is available to people who don't possess that creative distinction that the specialist um, possesses um, so um, narcissistically. The new architecture becomes available to everyone. You use the word decide, and I think that's a really important word. One of the things, and I've been dwelling on this because somebody in our audience, this is actually Chris Novelli in our audience, brought this up a couple of weeks ago. At the time, he was talking about um, he ha- he started building physical models again. As you can imagine, physical. when I was in school, that's all we had, physical models. We built these models. Now they have... Uh, computer-generated building information modeling. Um, and, and one thing Chris said has really been dwelling in my head right now. He said, I realize that I get to decide how I run my business. And that, that really hit me because I know that there are a lot of people, it's probably not just small firm architects, it's probably a lot of small business owners feel like their customers or clients, whatever they call those people, those people that they're serving, are dictating and deciding what their business is like. But you're talking about being very intentional 
in and um, uh, deciding what the business is going to be like, aren't you? Well, yes, understand. Let's go back to the model that I presented earlier. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have. My dream in this particular case is to transform the state of architecture worldwide. My vision is to invent the McDonald's of architectural development services. My purpose is that every architect, once adopting this new methodology, would literally transform how they do what they do and for whom they do it in ways that we can't even imagine. Right. And our mission is to develop the architectural development system through which that evolution would occur. So it all depends upon our dream, our vision, our purpose, and our mission. That states the name of the game. So you've got to understand by determining, by saying, my dream is to transform the state of architectural services worldwide, I'm immediately establishing a position in relationship to this business I'm designing, building, launching, and growing that's completely different than what an architect will typically do. A traditional architect's dream isn't to transform the state of architecture worldwide. Their dream is to lead a life as an architect, doing the work of an architect successfully with the clients they desire to have to make the living they desire to make, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The two are so light years apart from each other. Literally true. light They're years apart from each other. You know, when I read in your book about that, uh, the reason people start businesses is to sell them. That was such a foreign concept to me that it took me a while to let that sink in, really, because that had never occurred to me. That's why I would start a business because I'm an architect, I guess. So. Well, I yeah. understand when I say that, I don't mean to say that that's what everybody does. Right, I'm right. But that, you could that's what sell everybody it. Everybody should do. Right. Because ultimately, they're going to have to do that. Right. Yeah. You understand to sell an architectural firm in which Jerry is the architect um, is a, um, <laughs> a very unsatisfying yeah. experience. Not a hot commodity. Yeah. I mean, no. what do you sell? You've got nothing to sell. Well, it, and that brings us back to. You know, back to the McDonald's example, right? If if you if you sell a franchise, i.e., McDonald's, um, you're selling systems, you're selling brand, you're you're selling everything that's packaged up into how this business operates, what it is, et cetera. Um, which, you know, let's be honest, this is not what most architects are doing. Um, as we apply that to the future, right? To to this new architecture of the architecture firm, does that mean that, uh, Mark LePage says, sorry, I just saw this comment. Mark says he's getting hungry. We're talking about McDonald's and he's getting hungry. Um, uh, so, all right, I'm, I'm off on that tangent all of a sudden. I'll come back to this. But in listening to E-Myth Revisited, you're talking about Sarah, and I think I've gained about 10 pounds listening to the story of Sarah and the pies. Just just throwing that out there, but <laughs> so those of you that don't understand that uh, that reference, you're going to go have to you're going to have to go buy um, 
and read uh, Eat Myth Re- Revisited to understand that. And then you too can eat pie. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature. And Infratech Outdoor Electric Heating Systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cold. Clients love them because they can enjoy up to 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility. From heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative covers. They're also the only comfort key company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the United States and Back to the idea of the um, McDonald's version, I guess, of an architecture firm. There, there are. This, it comes up over and over in my conversations with architects that they feel like they're being commoditized. You know, there's just expectations from the clients, and and we're getting beat down on fees, and you know everything that goes into commoditization. And then we bring up this idea of mcdonald's and architecture and their heads are exploding all of a sudden it does does the idea of systematizing if that's the word systemizing of putting all these processes together like ray Kroc and and the mcdonald's brothers back in the day does that commoditize architecture or the practice of architecture well i i would i would resist word commoditize um, do you understand entrepreneurship is not about commoditizing? Right. Entrepreneurship is about creating something that is highly differentiated in the marketplace. Uh, differentiation is critical to brand. Um, entrepreneurship is about inventing a brand. Um, a brand is a unique, um, the highly differentiated um, service, system, business, entity, enterprise on the planet in a world of all the others um, who effectively, despite the resistance to the term commoditization, are in fact commoditized because the um, average architect isn't um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, The average architect is John Jones. Uh, it's uh, true. It's true. <laughs> struggling to make a living in Podunk, wherever Connecticut, uh, 
doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. And extraordinarily frustrated that he isn't regarded as Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, And when he knows he possesses um, the ability to become Frank Lloyd Wright, if only other people would recognize him. Um, In short, it's a hopeless task. And so the problem is the commoditization of the profession is simply created by the way the profession is launched and acted um, and commoditized on the planet. How to distinctly differentiate our architect from everyone else is the question. And in the process of doing that, we're going to reinvent architecture from the ground up. I 100% agree with that. Reinvent architecture from the ground up. Because I'm not an architect doing that. I'm an entrepreneur doing that. So I'm not identified. I'm not narcissistically identified. I'm not egocentrically identified with my position as an architect. I have nothing to protect. I have nothing to defend. I have nothing to argue about. Um, I'm in a completely new realm. The realm of creating on a blank piece of paper with beginner's mind an outcome that I right now at this very moment haven't a clue how to do. But I do know that if I can literally transform the state of architecture worldwide, I will find a way to make it more democratically available to every human being on the planet. I'm essentially saying that everyone should possess the ability to design their world in a way that illuminates the greatest values inherent in the visual, in the emotional, in the functional, in the financial reality that we get to construct. Mm -hmm. I'm suggesting to be able to do that for everyone would be absolutely a stunning achievement. It would be. You know, you know, you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence earlier, and it, you know, this is something that comes up all the time. I'm, I'm sure in, in other industries and professions as well. But it makes me wonder, right? Again, you, you know, you published Emith back in the '80s, and the 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 condition of the small business has not changed, but the tools, let's just say the tools have changed, the availability of technology and things like that. When you're working with businesses today, um, and again, the, the basis of a lot of what we're talking about is, is systems and processes and efficiencies and things like that. Um, do you see anything that on the horizon that's just really, really interesting Maybe it is literally like, you know, AI doing this task and that task or, um, you know, it, it's web-based this, cloud that, I don't know. But uh, do you see anything that out there in terms of brand new tools that really excite you as something that small business owners can really leverage? No. And let me say, let me say the reason for that is the greatest single tool of entrepreneurship is the imagination. So understand that the imagination is everything. 
And it's not the tools one uses, it's the imagination one applies to those tools. And to the degree we don't expand that, um, the eloquence of that imagination, um, we simply become a tools-based, um, um, deprived um, community of also rims. So we're not here to do efficiency. We're here to do um, beyond effectiveness. And beyond effectiveness means beyond the ordinary in a way that is truly extraordinary, um, in an artful, extraordinarily um, um, inspiring um, um, manner. So inspiration is a great and most important word when we think of entrepreneurs. When I liken myself to Steve Jobs, and I look at Steve Jobs and look at his education, you understand he didn't have one. And you understand that everything and anything he created came from Steve Jobs' exquisite imagination. And it was his exquisite imagination that shaped Apple to become the first trillion dollar enterprise in the world. Think about that. To become the first trillion dollar enterprise, valued enterprise in the, in the world, in the universe. How does a guy do that? And effectively, in the process of doing that, um, going from the Apple computer to the iPhone, and to understand the leap he took from old code to new code, um, was devastating to the people who worked there at Apple because they were so possessive of old code that Steve Jobs had to wrench them loose from old code and create new code to replace it. When, when you say old code and new code, for those of uh, those in the audience that have not read um, the books, can you explain what you mean by that? Old code is the company you've got. New Co is the company you're creating. Um, I'm suggesting in EMIT terms, we don't go to work on your current practice to fix it. That's a, that's a futile, absolutely fatal process. We don't go to work on your practice the way it is to fix it. We rip yourself free of that practice, move you out here down the street, and with a blank piece of paper, begin anew. And that beginning anew follows a path that is effectively brilliant in its simplicity, but absolutely brilliant in what it does in the transformation of the way you think. And that's the eightfold path that I was describing earlier. I have a dream, I have a vision, I have a purpose, I have a mission, I've got a job, which is my client fulfillment system, I've got a practice, which is my client acquisition system, plus my client fulfillment system, which is a three-legged stool, lead generation, lead conversion, client fulfillment. I've got it, which is nothing other than up to seven turnkey practices. Think of an architectural practice, seven turnkey architectural practices, plus a turnkey management system. And I've got an enterprise, which is actually seven turnkey businesses, 49 turnkey practices with a turnkey leadership system. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six, step seven, step eight. 
a process, the evolution of an enterprise from a company of one to a company of 1,000. It's magnificent when you apply yourself to it. But you got to finish step one before you do step two. In short, you've got to determine what your dream is. So if your dream was to transform the state of architecture worldwide, if that's the dream you have, then your vision becomes to invent the McDonald's of architectural services, blah, 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 blah. Well, what in the hell does that mean? Well, it's visually, emotionally, functionally, and financially different than any architectural form on the planet. Well, how is it different? Well, that's the job, isn't it? To figure that out. In order to realize the dream, I have to realize the vision. And then once having established that, the purpose becomes absolutely clear that every architect on the planet can literally transform how they do what they do by following our methodology. Finally, the architectural development system, the business development system, which makes it all possible. So let's go back, let's go back to step one in, in the one person firm because a um, you know, we talked earlier about the fact that we have a handful of people in this community right now that have started their own firms in the last 18, 19, 20 months. Um, and I always, I always open the show. We're getting, we're getting closer to the end of the year, but for, um, you know, the entire year I've talked about, you know, maybe you've circled a date on the calendar and 2021 is your year and you're going to start your own thing. If for somebody, that one person in the audience right now that is thinking about January 1st or whatever the date is, I'm going to launch my own, I'm going to launch my own firm. What is the absolute first thing that they have to do um, in order to launch January 1st of 2022? Well, Jeremy, you're thinking about launching a practice in True. which I'm the architect. Mm-hmm. Um, and short the very first thing I need to do is to get a client. Sure. So what I got to do if I'm going to launch my firm is to get a client. Uh, I already know how to do architecture. So I'm right. not going to have to launch a firm to learn how to do architecture. Right. I'm going to go create a job for myself. So the first thing I need to do is to go out in the community and wrestle with other architectural firms to get a client. So the first thing I need to do is to position me as unique. And so the first damn thing every architect will do who starts their own firm is to use social media um, to um, tell the story about this architectural firm. They'll go out and go to um, meetings of the Chamber of Commerce to introduce themselves. They'll network at BNI. They'll do this. They'll do that. They'll associate and disassociate. They'll do all the things that everybody does. Hi, you don't know me, but hi, you don't know me, but hi, you don't know me, but you know anybody who needs an architect. You know anybody who's doing any building. You know anybody who, you know anybody who, that's mix and mix and mix and mix and match. And I saying this, and I know that every single person who's with us right now has done that. Right. Yeah. So that's the first thing you got to do. If you're going to start the architectural firm, the way you're describing it. The way I'm describing it, you wouldn't do any of that. What would you do? The way I'm describing it, you'd first of all, with a blank piece of paper in beginner's mind, decide what your business is going to be. 
In short, you're going to design your company. And you're going to design your company not as a company of one, but a company of many. Because a company of one isn't a company at all. It's simply self-employment. I'm suggesting something else is at hand. And so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to discover your dream. Well, what does that mean? Well, what do I really want to do when I grow up? What do I really want to do if I were to leave a legacy? If I could even imagine leaving a legacy, what would that legacy be? What drives me? What desire do I have for changing the world, changing the way the world works, fixing the way the world, and on and on and on, a dream. So I'd enter the dreaming room. That's the very first thing every architect on the planet should do. They should enter the dreaming room to discover their dream, their vision, their purpose, and their mission. And in the process, understand something absolutely extraordinary is going to occur. And it's going to be outrageous in this respect. It's going to rip apart who they think they are and open the door to who they may become. And so the first thing that has to be let go of is the past. The very first thing that has to be let go of in this evolutionary process is the past and the present. It's who I've become by my training, by my dedication, by my interest, by my et cetera and so forth, and put all of it in question. So the very first thing that has to happen is to put everything in question. You got that? That's yes. disruptive at the highest order. And it creates chaos in the stereotypical mind. That's our objective at the beginning. My objective at the beginning is to piss everybody off. And I really do that well. So my objective is to piss everybody off because I'm threatening them by putting into question who they are and what they do and why they do it and what the value of that really is. I think that's what that, we need. I think we need that disruption. At the heart of it, because entrepreneurs are inventing a new world. Now, uh, we're trying to be mindful of time as well. Uh, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned go into the dreaming room. You got the blank piece of paper with the beginner's mind. Um, you have. I know you're opening a new session of your dreaming room. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what your dreaming room is? Well, sure. Um, I, I sit there. <laughs> with um, a handful of people, with a hundred people, with a thousand people. And I walk them through the process of a dream, a vision, a purpose, and a mission. And in the process, um, they respond. And we do this now. Um, I, I've done this 63 times live on the street, meaning um, that a three-day event. Um, I've altered that three-day event now to a... Um, four week event, um, 90 minutes each week. And so we enter into that 90 minute session each week for four consecutive weeks um, to discover your dream, your vision, your purpose and your mission. But effectively what we're really there to discover is the dissatisfaction that effectively lives with you right now. And that dissatisfaction comes in to the question one of your folks asked, well, what's wrong with self-employment? And what's wrong with self-employment is the stupid killer of our lives and our time because self-employment doesn't work. It's failed consistently 
over and over and over and over again that fully 90% of self-employed, in quotes, business owners will have failed in business by the time they would have reached their 10th anniversary. So it don't work. It don't work. And it's a horrible, horrible experience to go through and to hold on to, hoping that you're going to find a way to make it work. Because the business model isn't a business at all. It's simply self-employment. And you're so, reporting, you're reporting to a jerk. So you're, <laughs> you're reporting to an idiot who has absolutely no understanding or interest in the business of it, but simply the work of it. You follow me? The work of it. I want to become Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. I want to become Frank Lloyd Wright. I want to be known for who I am and what I do. I want to be known for my talents. And every architect on the planet knows how impossible a task that is. So in, when you talk about the dreamy room, and you mentioned this earlier as well, uh, building a, a company of one to a company of a thousand, um, does everybody need to aspire to have a thousand employees? No, not at all. Not at all. But everyone has to aspire to build a turnkey methodology through which they're able to transform the state of architecture. I'm suggesting to the degree you're not passionately interested in that. Um, you're consigning yourself to doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it every single day. And the only creativity that's evolved is in the particular assignment you've got right now on this particular building, this particular house, this particular garage, this particular whatever project you're working on. And it's almost always hugely disappointed because your client isn't as creative as you are. And so you're suddenly constantly being dispirited by the fact that your true creativity isn't being honored to the degree you wish it were. So you're constantly frustrated by the fact that you're not working on these higher, you know, the, the, the art center in Chicago, um, the whatever, 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 what you, you understand, major, major outcome. The Taj Mahal, for God's sakes, of whatever. Um, you're not working on that. You're working on Minnie and Mark Murray's garage. And you're saying, <laughs> oh, oh you God. couldn't be more right. I can't even believe it. That's it. Minnie I don't know. I don't know. I have to know anything else than that. You really this nailed it. This is what I went to school for. This is what I've spent all these years for. This is oh, what I spent all this time for. Minnie and Murray's garage. Right. Exactly. Wow. I think this is my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Minnie and Murray. Well, yep, yep. You pretty much summed that up pretty well. <laughs> so you got it. You understand that the essence of innovation, the essence of creativity. Uh, I like to say, and I'm given to say because I believe this implicitly, we're born in the image of God. At least that's what Torah says. We're born in the image of God. And if we're born in the image of God, then we're born to create. And if we're born to create in the image of God, we're born to create a world fit for God. Well, how in the world am I to achieve that result? The entrepreneurial core of creativity and imagination is truly here to reinvent the world. I'm suggesting that that creator within every architect on the planet could be better spent 
recreating the world of architecture to a degree that it in fact has reached far beyond any architectural um, reality, far beyond the ordinary architectural process, doing it, doing it, doing it, busy, 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 busy. There's greater work to be done by all. Mm. You know, I, I'm gonna, that's going to be my new mantra. Like, you know, it's going to be my new mantra. Doing it, doing it, doing it. Busy, busy, busy. I'm going to say that. You want that to be your mantra. No, I don't. But then I'll have to say, remind myself. That's what I'm up to. Yeah. <laughs> Think of something better. I, I saw a, a comment from Isra Banks a few minutes ago. She said she's uh, so inspired. Um, and I agree. When, when you're talking about uh, the dreaming room, for those that are in our audience right now, that are inspired by what you're saying and and thinking about um, a new architecture for the profession of architecture. Uh, I'm going to put on the uh, screen right now a uh, URL. If I can find it. There it is. Um, if you want to know more about what Michael's talking about when he's talking about the Dreaming Room, go to thenewdreamingroom.com. The new dreaming room.com. That's what one, two, four words smashed together like one. Um, and I believe when I looked earlier today, uh, that the next session starts in about 19 or 20 days or so, something Ooh. like that. Is it, um, like is, is it at that night, ho nice hotel that you describe in your book? Cause I would definitely go if it were at that hotel. The one that you mentioned before. Um, yes. you know, that, that, is it, is it there? Is that where it happens? Yes, I, I, yeah, it is. I, I'd suggest also this book. Um, let me hold it up. Awakening mm -hmm. the Entrepreneur Within would be an immensely important book for all of you to read. Um, how Ordinary People Can Create Extraordinary Companies. And the heart of this book is the dream, the vision, the purpose, and the mission. Um, and then it gives an example of the application of that um, in, um, I think it's chapter... 21 um, in this book. Let me see. Oh, pardon me. Um, I'll find it. Yeah. Chapter 21 in this book is the wisdom of process. And um, that um, in that chapter, I talk about um, a fictitious business. I create a fictitious business in the book. Um, and the business is called Who is Manny Espinoza? Um, a white paper for a business revolution. And you read that story and go through it about Manny Espinoza, an industry hungry for new solutions, solving the employee attrition problem. Um, who is Manny Espinoza, the solution, the model, um, and so forth and so on, and how one would transform a condition that exists, for example, in the companies such as McDonald's, in which they have 100% employee turnover every year. Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine um, what I just said, that 100% turnover every year. That's hard to imagine. Just, but understand how devastating the obvious a problem that is how to address that problem um in this book i talk about that um but i talk about that in the context i have a dream i have a vision i have a purpose i have a mission so 
The real work is that work. The work of an entrepreneur, not the work of an architect. Um, the work of an entrepreneur, not the work of an architect. Steve Jobs never went to school to learn a trade. Steve Jobs never went to school to learn a profession. Steve Jobs went to work to enhance his imagination, to expand his reach exponentially in all arenas throughout the world with no limits whatsoever on where he would apply his intelligence, his imagination, his creativity. You can do that. I'm saying that every single one of us can do that. And the work we do is designed to enable, facilitate, inspire you to pursue that with everything you've got. That's very inspiring, Michael. Thank you for that message and for the wisdom that you've shared with us for this hour. I know you have to jump off right into something else right now. So um, we really appreciate you joining us and for uh, for all of all of the books that you have out there. And I encourage everybody to check out the newdreamingroom.com uh, as well as I saw Mark posted the uh, the Amazon link to the book that uh, Michael was uh, just referencing. So check those out. Um, and again, Michael, thank you very much for thank everything you that you do. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Um, absolutely. Thank you. And for those of you... Very, very, very strong, positive feedback from your audience. Uh, and I truly appreciate that. Um, no, so hear me, I know you, I respect you, I regard you with the highest passion uh, for the possibilities within each of you. And I'm suggesting the path for that is different than the path that you're on right now. Um, and that path is the discovery that goes forward when you enter the dreaming room to discover a dream, a vision, a purpose, and a mission. Not the dream I explicated, but the dream you'll discover within you to pursue. Got to go. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much for, uh, for spending this time with us here today. And everybody in our audience, thank you. Thanks for joining us. I always, I say this every week, but I appreciate you. Without you, we would not be talking to Michael Gerber today. So um, for, uh, for everybody out there, please take care of yourselves. Be well, be safe. Keep those around you safe and well. Find a way to breathe tonight and relax a little bit and rejuvenate because we're going to do this all over again tomorrow. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody. Let me add one last little ingredient. Should they like to connect with me, they can reach me at Michael at MichaelEGerber.com. Okay. There you go. Yeah, reach so. out to Michael. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks, Michael. And everybody else that's out there, again, thank you. I hope that uh, I'll see you somewhere sometime soon. Catherine and I are going to bounce right now and go to the backstage. And Ooh, uh, if you're yeah. not familiar with what that is, Every day, every week after we wrap up the recording or the broadcast, simulcast of Context and Clarity Live, we go backstage with a couple of guests and we um, talk about our biggest takeaways, lessons that we learned and things that we think we can apply in our own businesses. So we're going to bounce right now and go back there to the backstage and record that episode. And you can look for it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts uh, coming up here in the near future. I'm not exactly sure what the schedule for publishing that is because of the holiday and uh, a little bit of pivot we're going to talk about uh, in the near future about the format of that podcast. It's kind of exciting. Mm. So um, 
stay tuned for when the backstage episode will come out. But with that, uh, I, w- I do want to give you a heads up uh, because next week on Context and Clarity Live, we will have Jennifer Castenson will be our featured guest next Thursday afternoon. She formerly was the head of programming at Zonda, which was formerly Hanley Wood. Now she is the vice president of innovation at an Australian uh, build tech company. So uh, we're going to talk to Jennifer about innovation uh, and innovating practices. I think that's going to be really interesting, a really interesting conversation. So check that out next Thursday. And of course, as always, we'll be back in the uh, Entree Architect community Facebook group tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern. And our topic tomorrow will be uh, what are the advantages and or disadvantages to running a business versus having a job or maybe self-employment? So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, We'll we'll kick that off on Clubhouse at 9 a.m. Eastern and be inside the Facebook group at 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon. So with that, again, thanks, everybody. Appreciate all of you. Thank you, Catherine, for uh, keeping the wheels on the bus. Well, that was uh, uh, something. Something. And um, hope that uh, we see you all somewhere sometime soon. Thanks, everybody. I want to say thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of the Context and Clarity podcast. Visit infratechusa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Okay, well, there you have it. What did you think of that conversation? Hopefully, there was some big takeaway that will help you this week with your business. If there was, let me know. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us get the message out and help us help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well, so you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine will join me again along with a special guest, or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community, so we can break this conversation down. It will be Context and Clarity backstage, so to speak. So join us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in today's conversation to our own businesses. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if today's topic is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations. And we take these topics and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. 
Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.